When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, this is Justin from South of Eden and you're listening to The Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. Welcome back. It is Jay. It is the Hook Rocks. It's the Ultimate Rock Me Podcast. Thanks again for stopping by and giving us a listen. We always appreciate it. And we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I always mention them. Great network of music-related podcasts. A lot of diverse, different music podcasts for everyone. So check them out at PantheonPodcast.com, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pantheon Pods. And you can do the same with the Hook Rocks on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search up the Hook Rocks, and you can Follow us, and don't forget to write us a review after you're done listening to the episode. Let us know how we did and give us some feedback. We always appreciate it. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episode right to your phone, whether it's the newest episode or one of our old episodes. We've been doing this now for almost four years. We've got close to 400 episodes, or close to 500 episodes, I should say. I'm selling myself short. But we've had some great stuff going on here over the last couple of months. We've had some great run of New Music Spotlights with Empire, Dead Blonde Stars, Abby Kay, Austin Mead, South of Eden, a bunch of great new bands. So always appreciate when uh, we get a chance to spotlight a new artist. We've had Richie Kotzen. We had Rick Nielsen and Dax Nielsen from Cheap Trick. Uh, we also talked about Ozzy Osbourne's legacy with Sidney Taylor. We talked about the monopoly that is Live Nation and Ticketmaster, this U.S. Senate hearings that are happening as well. So much stuff going on, so many great episodes, and always happy to have another guest return to our show. It's the third time he's been on, and it's a band from the U.K. that, man, I just fell in love with their sound, fell in love with their music. Um, and they've been, in my opinion, probably the premier act in the rising rock scene in the UK. They've been around for a while, but it is, um, it is nice to see band or people finally starting to take notice of this band because they've been putting in a, a, a lot of long, hard work and their last three albums have been like, the trilogy, right? The, the franchise, yeah. as we call it. every time there's three movies in a movie franchise, they call it that because they're they're just awesome and they're well regarded and they're highly acclaimed. The band is Massive Wagons, and my guest is Baz. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a hell of an intro. I don't. Need, I, I could probably switch you off now. You don't need any more. <laughs> I don't need great. you. Yeah. So just yeah. So just, uh, just talk about the album. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, th- thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's great to have you back on again. It's great to talk to you about this music that you put out last year. It was one of our top 20 albums of the year. Um, oh, wow. You've had a, a great run of music over 
geez, the past five years with uh, your catalog and what you've been yeah. doing. I mean, the last album that you did was great. You know, that was House of Blues prior to that, Full Nelson. And then, of course, Triggered, which was the latest album in 2022. And what's really cool about these three albums is you can see growth in between each album from album to album. And the band just keeps getting better. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's very, yeah, that's cool of you to say. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, what, what <coughs> a lot of bands, you, you don't, um, you don't get to go into the studio very often and, uh, it, it's always a very eager time, you know, you, uh, you always look forward to it a, a lot. It's a big part of what being a band is and you don't get to do it very often, you know, for us anyway, once every couple of years and you really, you really sort of take last time's experience and try and build on it and, and and learn from your mistakes and learn all the new tricks and try and build on the last album and make it sound better and, you know, where did it fall down last time and, and whatnot. And, and, and yeah, you're, you're songwriting also, you know, you're always pushing yourself to write better songs and look at the last songs and think, how can we improve on them and what can we do different? You sort of want to remain the same. You don't want to, ice, you don't want to sort of go off on too much of a tangent sounding different to the last album and isolate your fans and yet you still want to sound different enough so you not don't sound boring you know so yeah it's it's fun you know yeah, I, like, I like it yeah would you say that you guys have finally found your sound um <laughs> i don't know really. we always get a little bit of um a little bit of stick uh to be honest for being oh, no, I, I, we are an odd band well we're, we're kind of we just kind of write music that we like uh, we're kind of genreless a little bit. We we sort of write punk songs and metal songs and country kind of songs and ballads and we just like good music and just write songs. We don't really think about the genre. Uh, but I, th- I think we have a sound. I definitely think we have our own sound. I think you can tell it's us. Um, but yeah, we do get a little bit of stick for people. People sometimes say so they don't they don't know who they want to be or they don't know who they are or well you know we've written six six albums now so. I think, yeah, you know, I mean, we, are, we we do know who we are. <laughs> What's interesting about the band is obviously the music, um, you know, the melodies of the songs and, and how they, they hook you and they pull you in. But what's grown, I think, from the, you know, over the last few albums is kind of the tongue in cheek and the perspective that you share with what you see and, and, and the things that you observe and the things, you know, the album triggered has a lot of that stuff. Um, right that i i find that great i find that very entertaining and to to hear a perspective and to find the way you write in an interesting way that doesn't turn people off but just kind of is more like matter of fact tongue in cheek if that makes sense yes yeah. yeah yeah i mean um big i'm a big fan of a guy called ginger wildart the wild arts and that uh, transformed it's funny because over the, la- the last three albums that you've mentioned are, are the three albums where I, I really changed how I wrote songs. I started listening to the Wild Arts a lot more and Ginger's solo stuff. And he writes, matter of fact, songs about true stories and things that happened to him and the way they happened to him and, and what he said. And he uses his own language and stuff like that. And I really admire that. And I love it. And um, I just like to be honest, you know, because I think you can relate, people can relate to it and you can connect with people when you're writing honest music. But it's nice to hear that somebody, you know, in America, where it's a very different place to hear, you can, you know, you get that. You know, I, I do, I don't really, when I write stuff, I don't really think that people from other countries might not understand my stupid British humour or my, the, say, the things I say, you know, the language and stuff. But it's nice that it translates and people actually understand it, to be honest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It does translate well over here. I have to say, the song Asshole is right. an absolute <laughs> masterpiece. That is, yeah, yeah. that's my favorite song on the album. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, there's no airs or graces there. It's not difficult to understand that one, is it? You know? No, no. It, it, but it's just, you know, whether it's Fuck the Haters or whether it's Generation uh, Prime or Please Stay Calm, you know, it really is a testimony on what is happening socially around us as we live our lives every day. You know, things are becoming more, in my opinion, a little bit more strange. People are becoming a little bit more entitled. Um, and, and it's a great, it's a refreshing perspective that you share. And it doesn't get into like condemning someone or it doesn't do that. It just basically says, this is what I'm, I'm observing. This is how I feel. And, 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 you know, this is my perspective. It doesn't, you know, one of the, one of the bands that does it very well that shares their perspective and their point of view 
and kind of a, a, a more of a, of a social conscious that isn't tongue in cheek is, is alter bridge. Right. You know, when you hear alter bridge, they just share their perspective. They're not telling you how to think and neither no. are you. You're just sharing your perspective. And, and those songs I mentioned go over very well. And you sit there and you kind of think about what I observe personally and what other people observe. And it's pretty close to the truth, to be honest. With you. Well, you know, I don't, you don't want, no, nobody likes, uh, nobody likes the guy that bangs a drum. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to. I don't want to preach to anyone. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get on my high horse and start telling people how they should, what they should be doing. Because I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sort of uh, holier than thou. I, 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 I do. You know, I'm part of the problem. You know, I realise that. I, you see, I, I'm glad you got that. You know, I, I'm just observing. I'm just. I'm just sort of telling people how I see it and the things I see that are you know wrong with the world. And you know, we're all responsible, really, aren't we? But yeah, I'm not. I'm not a. Uh, I'm, I'm part of the problem. We all are, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not here to sort of uh, bang my drum and tell you you're in the wrong and I'm not. It's just, it's just how it is, you know. How I it see is, it. Yeah. I mean, it is part of who we are and the fabric that we become. My question to you on the lyrical content is obviously, you know, we had the pandemic. Mm. Did that, did that heighten your awareness or your observation of things, you know, because let's face it during that period of time we really weren't doing much and we did a lot of observing you know we did a lot of observing of ourselves and we did a lot of observing of how the world is and how people around us are did that kind of heighten your your taste to to go after and write these lyrics um i don't know really um maybe there's i mean during lockdown everybody went through such a such a massive changes in their personal lives things were just absolutely turned upside down weren't they it's hard to, to sort of it's hard, i don't know i don't know if i'm conscious of of that but it's maybe hard to say that that, that, that it didn't affect the songs we wrote um i don't know i don't know really i don't i don't know i don't i don't know if it did to be honest i don't know i, I started a different job you see during lockdown i at the beginning of lockdown i lost my job um, and, and me and Adam were forced into doing, um, well, we weren't forced into doing it. He lost his job as well. And we, we, we started doing the Wagons World, the Wagons, like the online sort of uh, fan club type thing. That, that became our job. And, um, that was a completely different, I became self employed. I'd never been self employed before. So that completely turned my world upside down. And I started having to do, spend a lot more time online and dealing with computers, which I used to drive a lorry, you know, I'm, I'm thick. Uh, you know, I just uh, uh, so I had to do, I had to learn all these new things as did Adam, and uh, yeah, there was a lot of upheaval and a lot of uh, a lot of change. Uh, so yeah, so maybe 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 it did influence the way I wrote these songs. Yeah, I don't know really. Yeah. I've always been a miserable, always been miserable and grumpy, so I've always got something to sing about. You know, we're both part of the same club. I'm always been yeah. grumpy too. <laughs> when when you when you write music, especially you've touched on this subject multiple times in the last few albums. And it's about the people, the, the, I call them, you know, computer warriors, keyboard warriors, you know, or oh, yeah. people that get yeah. on and, and, and criticize things and offer a judgment on people. And they, yeah. they say a lot of things that they probably normally wouldn't say if they're in a, you know, normal social environment. Yeah. And, and that does touch a nerve for a lot of people because I was raised that, you know, if you didn't like something, just move on, you know, like, yeah. just, carry on with you know i mean you don't have to listen to it you don't have to watch it and and you know there's very few things that offend me in in that regard um just because i don't take part in it but you offer a a very good observation of of how people are they you know they kind of they criticize but they they don't really have any purpose other than to criticize and it's really nothing you know it's like they sit on a computer all day and they just they troll people basically yeah yeah I think um, there's a song on the album called "No Friend of Mine," which um, which is exactly what that's about. This is about what that's well, that song's about a real a real person that I know who will remain nameless. Who who you, we have friends and we have we have a, you have your close friends and then you have sort of friends who you'll see at a, 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 cl- a club or a pub or a, or a bar and you have a drink and you don't spend a lot of time with them but you're friendly with them and you're good with them and you see them and you you know you whatever you watch bands with them and stuff you have a relationship with them however big it is whatever um and and then, and then during lockdown everybody was inside their houses and everybody was on the computers all the time and then 
because they couldn't go out, we were spending a lot of time writing things online. Well, I started to see things that these people were writing and these things that people were sharing and what they were commenting on. And you, I started to see another side of this person that I didn't know existed. You know, and I, I was thinking, wow, this, I didn't know, I didn't know this guy thought like that. I had no idea. Fancy saying that, fancy sharing that. I mean, how do you have that? How have you got that perspective on that issue? And I didn't know about it. We go, we go out for drinks. I got, I've watched bands with you. I've been, you know, you know, and it's like, you know, you know, and it's just like, I had no idea you had those thoughts. You know, it's, it re- the lockdown really, it, back to your earlier question, that side of the lockdown really opened my eyes up to, to those kind of people, you know, that, that I thought that was a real issue, you know. Yeah, I, I think at, at some point in all of our lives, we've all been guilty of, of being a keyboard warrior in some sort of fashion, right? Mm-hmm. But once you come to that realization that <laughs> what you post online in a chat room or on social media ultimately doesn't matter. No one's going no one's mind's going to be changed. No one's going to <laughs> to think differently because of what you posted to counter an argument or counter a discussion. Yeah. And at the end, it's pointless. The only person that feels better about it is the person <laughs> writing it because they're, yeah. they, they feel they're, they have a platform to, you know, speak. And I've always learned that, you know, those who speak the loudest know the least. Yeah, and, yeah, I agree. and um I think, you know, like you said, during the pandemic where people didn't really have a lot going on, I think, I think it was even raised more into the comment sections on an article or the comment sections on a post. And it's like, I don't even read that stuff anymore. I can't because it's just, it, it, to me, it's like the end of the world. Mm. It's, it's awful. Yeah, it's awful. It's, it's toxic is what it is. And uh, it doesn't do you any good. And, and, and like you said, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's just nonsense. It's just garbage spewing. It, just, it doesn't change the world. Getting into getting into arguments and debates with people online about issues and stuff changes nothing. Just makes you feel worse, or makes them feel worse, or whatever makes them feel better. I don't know. I just I try not to engage in needless discussions like that online. If I see things I don't like, just get rid of it. <laughs> just get rid of it. Don't waste your energy. And then there's the fact that you're arguing with somebody that you're never going to meet face to face that lives halfway <laughs> across the world or halfway across the country, whatever. And at the end of the day, the person that you're arguing with has no impact or bearing on your real life, your reality. Oh. I mean, you can have fun with these people. Sometimes it's funny to sort of kill them with kindness and be nice and, uh, I don't know, say stupid things to them and wind, wind them up a little bit if you don't take their point seriously or tell them you love them or something like that. Or I don't know, stuff like that, just to have a laugh. Sometimes I do that, you know, I'll just be nice to them. You know, what's the harm in that? Coming off the album and the tour of noise going into the recording session for this. What was the approach? What, how did it differ from house of noise? Going into the recording studio. Yeah. Um, well, we had the same studio this time and the same, the same producers. Um, but the, it was different because the first time we recorded with Chris and Colin was uh, house of noise. And, and they, it took, it took, it took quite a long time for them to sort of understand who we were and, what we wanted and our style and our sound and where we were going. But this, this time, you know, we could take full advantage of all the time we were in the studio. As soon as we went in there, we already knew them. We knew we had, we had a built up a relationship with them and they had ideas and plans and everything set out in advance. You know, it was so, it was, um, it was so different. The production, especially my vocals, he produced my vocals so different this time to the other, to last time because Chris was a vocal producer and he's a vocalist himself. He's amazing. And, um, he know he now knows my voice, so he knows he knows what my limits are and what I could do well. And this time was um, he we sort of we, he sort of God, I can't explain. He, he guided me a lot better. He produced me a lot better this time. And he wasn't pushing me or trying to get things out of me I couldn't do. It was just all a lot smoother, and it just felt a lot better. I think I think the album's come out. The production is a bit more kind of raw, if you like, but also I think but I think it suits us a lot more really uh, than last time. Was there, I guess the question is, how do you know you're ready to go into the studio? Is it already pre-planned? Like, (laughs) hey, you know, this is the cycle. We got to get an album out. Or is it just, hey, I've written a collection of songs. We've written a collection of songs. It's time to go in. Uh, Well, uh, no matter how fast we try to write albums, it always seems to take two years. It's just bizarre. Um, That's how long it seems to take. But there does come a point, 
where we have kind of, we sort of take 14, about 14 songs to a studio, but maybe 11 or 12 will go on the album. But when you got to sort of 10, 11 songs, we sort of book the studio. And because it, it, because if you just, if you keep dragging it out, you, you have to put, you have to put some pressure on yourself, basically. Obviously, right? That's the cutoff date. That's when the studio starts. We have to have X amount of songs written. And we always go to the studio with one or two half written because there's always the studio that we went to, you could play and practice till all hours. So it was always great to kind of write there as well. It was like, a, it was, um, it was always felt good to, to, to finish songs off there. So when we have sort of 10 songs, book the studio and then get some ideas together and then take them into the studio really, and then, and then record the rest, write, write and record the rest there. But yeah, two years. Yeah. A lot of conversations I've had over the years with, with artists, there's a there's a, one common theme that exists through most of them, the vast majority of them, mm-hmm. and that is the the underlying insecurity an artist has with the material that they're creating. Is it good enough? Is it is it what we should do? Is it? There's a lot of questions and, and a lot of self awareness of what's going on when you're creating because you know ultimately this is going to be heard by people and obviously fans are going to hear this and you always second guess and question things. Um, when you're doing this, how how do you get through that, or do you have that issue at all? Um, yeah, of course, I, yeah, de- de- definitely. You definitely worry. You definitely, <clears throat> you definitely worry whether they're going to be good enough. Um, there's a bit of insecurity about the quality, I suppose. Um, especially when you've had an album, especially when you've had an album that's done well, and then and then I found the hardest thing was after um, after Full Nelson that got to like 16 in the UK charts. That was starting the next album was starting House of Noise. It was like, oh no, what do what do people expect of us now? Now they've now they've had a taster and it, and it's done quite well. You know, we, the only way is down, kind of thing. You know, that was the worry. It was like, oh, we, we have to. This has to be as good, if not better. So that was a worry. But once we'd written a couple of songs and we were on a path, we got a direction, and the, the, the sort of it was flowing. It, it felt good, and and then and then you just kind of don't. We just don't pay attention anymore. The pressure kind of goes. It's just that you, you can't focus on any pressure. It's just like, let's just write the album. Let's let's do it. And uh, that's the same every time. Getting the next album started is always difficult because you're paranoid that it's uh, not going to be as good as the last one. Or the last one does a like, Trigger did even better. Luckily for us, our Full Nelson, Trigger, Full Nelson, House of Noise and Trigger have all done better than each other. So this next one, God only knows what we're going to do. <laughs> I think that's the amazing thing with the band is, and it's great to see um, you know, from Full Nelson each album has been more successful than the last one. And I, I think that speaks to who the band is and what the band is becoming, but it also speaks to the songs and how people relate and to kind of go back to what we talked about earlier in the conversation with songs like fuck the haters and asshole and, and generation prime and some, you know, some of the other songs on the album, I think it does relate. I think everyone kind of feels or the majority of the people kind of feel the same way, which is why, I think people connect with it instantly. I mean, whether it's in the UK, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in the States, um, you know, the, the, every time I talk to someone who's listened to your music, enjoys it and like loves the, loves the, the content and loves the, loves the perspective. That's cool. I mean, we're just, um, we don't, we don't live any kind of glamorous rock and roll lifestyle here. We're just sort of five. It's just the same, really the same band that we were when we started. And we really do try and remain very, 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 very grounded. You know, li- just live regular lives, really, and and pick up, pick up, pick up influences from everyday life. You know that people go through, and uh, try to stay as real as we can, really. Um, and, ra- and and we try to take the, you know, we try to take this sort of classic rock formula that I know it's been done a million times, but and, and just and just give it, a, just try and make it, re- try and reinvent it from from for a modern age. You know. Gone are the days of singing about of us singing about things like the devil and whiskey and strippers and all that stuff. You know, it's all very good, and it, but it's been done a thousand times. I want to write songs about things that people can relate to, young people can relate to in, in you know the modern world. You know, so you know that's where the uh, that's where it comes from. Really, I don't want to be. A, I don't want to have one foot in the past. To be honest, if I can help it. What drives you and what drives the band? Uh, well, we have a driver now. We have a bus. <laughs> Uh, oh right, see. Uh, <laughs> uh, what drives us? Uh, well, to be honest, with this, we, we when we started the band, we, we all uh, we all started it together. 
And uh, we didn't know anything, really. We were all very, very green, and it was all very, very new to us, the whole thing, the whole scene around here, writing mod, uh, original music. We didn't know anything about that, really. And we've all kind of built it all together over sort of 14 years. And we're, we're, we're all as kind of precious about this band as, um, as each other, and it means a lot to us. So we don't really want to... Um, and, and it's going well, you know. It's, 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 going, it's on an upward trajectory, however, sort of, you know, whatever, but... It's good, and while it's going well, it's it's something we all want to do, you know. And uh, it's not it, it's something that's been hard fought for, and um, he's he's paying off. So we, I think we'd be foolish to to throw it in the bin. We just want to keep keep going until it falls apart, or people are bored, sick to death of us, or something, you know. When you and I first spoke, I think it was between the full Nelson album and, and House of Noise, and we had a conversation about the state of rock music. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. where, where it was and, and, and what was happening. Um, yeah, that was 2000, early 2020. I think it was maybe before the pandemic or maybe kind of remember. Well, what, whatever. Um, I think, I think, I think we just made the decision to, to release House of Noise in, um, in, during the pandemic. I think, I think, I think it was early, early in the pandemic. Since I remember. Okay. I might be wrong. <laughs> but the, the conversation was basically about where things were at. And I feel that things have gotten better um, in some ways. Some areas, you know, I think they're going backwards. But as far as the band goes and, and how the band has grown and grown its audience, what is the biggest difference between then and now for you guys? Um. The biggest difference, uh, well, we can play live gigs again, which is good. Um, the, 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 the biggest difference, which is which is in a in a in a bad in a bad way, is um, is, is the whole Brexit thing, <laughs> which I don't suppose really affects. Um, um, well, it affects us massively because it's made travelling and touring in Europe a pain in the ass. To be honest, uh, it's a lot more expensive. I mean, we we are lucky because we we were kind of just at that. We were just at the limit where we could we can we can make it up we can make it work. We got to the sort of the top where we could just make it start to I, I, bands below the smaller bands. I, I, I you know it's sad because I don't know how they're ever going to afford to go into Europe and pay get carnets made and pay tax on this and tax on that. It's just awful. It's just kind of ruined it really. So I really feel sorry for sort of up and coming bands who want to play a little bit in Europe. Um, but for us, it, it, we can still operate, but it's. It's not great, to be honest. It's rubbish. And and and, and bands coming to Europe as well. I, I I read a lot about American bands, um, bands from wherever Japan, not coming to Europe or the UK anymore because they can't afford it. You know, it's too expensive. It's like fucking hell. That's sad, isn't it? What about musically? Musically, biggest difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know really. Uh, well, listen. I don't know. We can't, our influences change a lot. Um, we, we do write a lot of music that we that we the songs that we just like that we that we like. I've been mean, listening to getting into punk a lot more. Um, it's Adam Adam Disselway in our in the band the guitar player who writes all this sort of music. He um, he's always been a massive sort of uh, Offspring fan and Green Day and them kind of bands. So that, I think that's come through a lot more in our music over the last for the last over the last year the last album. Um, yeah, I don't know, yeah. It was sort of stepped away from... Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons... Or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good. Well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I don't know, yeah. Yeah, I, I just I just think, um, I, I don't know, yeah. I don't know what the biggest difference is. <laughs> we just keep doing what we're doing. We and and what, about what, what, what about what you guys do in terms of audiences, in terms of fans, in terms of growing your, your, your fan base, in terms of playing out live? Are there any differences? Are there, what, are, what are the major differences with that over the last few years? Um, you know, well, it's been, the live shows have been strange, that's for sure. The, um we, 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 before the pandemic, we were really on a high, you know, selling selling a lot of tickets and stuff. And and it's it's come back round. And they, they we're out in tour in April in the UK, and that's selling really really well. But it's like been a, a it's been a drag, and people aren't people aren't buying tickets for shows until right up until the show, you know, um, because because that many things have been cancelled and put back and postponed. People don't want to spend the money, and rightly so. And then and then have the gig cancelled, and then and then and then move forward. In the year six months, and then suddenly they can't go. So people are really, really cagey spending money, and and then that, I understand that. And there's a cost, bit of a cost of living crisis going on around the globe. Um, there is a food and gas and electric. People, people are struggling for money. You know, it's it's really horrible to see people's bloody mortgages are going through the roof and rents are going through the roof. And people, people need to enjoy themselves, but the you know shows are um, shows are selling a lot closer to the to the date that they're happening. We're finding. Um, for a lot, for a lot of bands, really, which is a massive change. But God love people, you know, they still need to get out and enjoy themselves, and they're still going, so that's good. You mentioned Brexit being a challenge with bands in the UK uh, going yeah. into Europe. Is that ever going to fix? Get get fixed? Is anyone ever going to realize that this has become a problem and is hindering a lot of bands from making a living and 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 touring and and doing what they need to do? I'm not entirely sure whether anyone not. I'm not entirely sure whether it matters whether anyone does notice. So it's more of a case of whether anyone cares, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and the people at the top in this country don't seem to care about a right lot, except lining their own pockets. I don't think, and that's the view of a lot of people. We seem to do a lot of make a lot of uh, make a lot of decisions in this country based around their own their own interests and their own their own families and their own friends and stuff and they don't really not seem to be right bothered about everybody else because in four years when they're all voted out they won't really care it'll be somebody else's problem won't it and uh, they can sail off into the sunset and live on an island somewhere and not really bother about me and me uh, you know mates trying to make a living I'm, I'm past I'm past believing that anybody that many many politicians in this country really care about anybody but themselves yeah I think we have the same issue here in the states where you know, I think there's, you know, always a handful of people that are trying to do good and trying to do right by people. But the majority um, is just, like you said, lining their pockets and having their own self-interest. But, okay. you know, it just seems that in my perspective from being here in the States, more things seem to be hindered because of Brexit than it was before. And, you know, I'm a person that always likes to see progress socially and how things are run and, you know, in, in, in when you see things that go backwards, you kind of scratch your head, like what was the problem before, you know, and, and, you know, hearing your story and I've heard this from other bands too, about the difficulties of going to, to Europe now. Mm. Um, it, it does suck. It's, it's, it's bullshit basically. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's just made it a nightmare. It really has. Yeah. And like I said, the small bands, you know, five or six years ago, Bands, bands smaller than us 
we're, we're going into Europe, Spain, France, Germany. They'd be doing a week here, a week there. And it was brilliant to see. You know, we, we did a few festivals here and there at Barcelona and in Ibiza. And now I just don't see that. I just don't see bands um, below a certain size posting anything or sharing tours in any of the countries. It just doesn't happen. It's just dried up. It just doesn't happen anymore. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe they, they just can't afford it. It just costs a fortune. It's really absolutely obscene. So I don't know. I don't know what the outcome is or what the solution is or anything, to be honest. And when you talk about those markets, like you mentioned, like Spain and, you know, Belgium and Austria, those are like really good rock markets too for rock. Yeah, music. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Um, the, the bands get a great response. I've talked to bands that have from the States that have gone over there and they rave about the experience and, yeah. and what happens. And it's, yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it's almost like, when one challenge is is solved, another challenge then pops up. It just never seems to be, you right. know, it never seems to run smoothly, does it? No, I mean we're 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 we're, we're, we're sort of focused on Germany at the moment. We've been out to Germany a few times, and we're doing our best to sort of stick at, stick at Germany. You know, we keep going back and playing a few shows here and there, and the radio really look after us in Germany. They're brilliant. Um, so you know that's uh, that's our sort of plan, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the future holds. To be honest, just keep going. <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys have in store for this year? I know you recently toured with Ugly Kid Joe. All right. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, how did those shows go? Amazing. Well, what, they're absolutely fantastic. They're an absolute riot. Yeah, they were brilliant, brilliant guys. It, it was a co-headline tour of the UK, and every night was uh, was absolutely banging. Yeah, they're brilliant. He's uh, Whitfield's a great guy. And they were really, really cool. I think the bands were kind of the same. It kind of had the same ethos, the same sort of attitude, but the music was different enough for it to be interesting to the crowd, to the audience. You know, we were different, but the same. Um, it was it was really good. And every night I got up and did um, Dirty Deeds at the end of their their set. They, they finished the night every night. And I went back on and did Dirty Deeds with, with them, like, which was great fun, you know. It was really cool. Yeah, I loved it. And what else is in store for this year? Yeah, well, we've got the, got the triggered tour of the UK uh, in April and um, and then uh, we're going to plan some, like a second half of it later in the year, hopefully, November time maybe. Um, what else are we doing? <laughs> uh, we've got a, well, well, we're looking at stuff in Europe, really. We've got some European festivals. Uh, what else are we doing? There's some UK festivals, it's festival season. Yeah, I don't know. There's a few things in the, in the pipeline, but. Nothing, nothing much confirmed about from that. To be honest, we're going to get this tour out of the way. This is that. This is our focus. The April tour. We've, we've invested. We've invested quite a bit of dosh in in like in production and making it stepping it up a level. You know, I really want to make it. Really want to make it sort of something cool. You know, every every time we go out, we want to make it try and step it up. You know, make it a, more of a reason to come back next time, which I think is very important for bands. You know, how how is the community in terms of? your fellow you know rock bands and fellow artists that are in the uk it seems like there's a lot of support between each other and you know kind of like almost very very family style and very very family oriented with people supporting helping each other out is that just a a, an observation or is there is there truth to that no no definitely yeah definitely it's it's like rock music rock music i don't i don't know what about america but in this country it's, it's definitely shrunk you know, it's not really well that kind of rock music. Our kind of rock music, it's, it's not really commercial anymore, and it's not, it's not, it's not ma- massive. It's not, ma- it's not massive on the sort of scene. It's everything over here is kind of pop and and and, hit and rap and stuff like that, R and B, whatnot, which is cool, whatever. But um, rock seems to be on the back foot of it, really, and 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 it's great because all the rock fans um, all come together and support all the bands, and all the bands kind of look out for each other and. Uh, Support each other. It's, it's great. You mentioned Empire before. They're like one of my favourite uh, band, rock, English rock bands. They're brilliant. Played with them a few times. I think they're amazing. And then their next album's great. Um, so I like so I like supporting them. You know, and yeah, there's, there's loads of bands. Everybody sticks together. It's really cool. It's really cool. You've got to, aren't you? You know, there's room. There's room for for more than one band. There's room for everyone. You know. Well, that's that. I think is a product of what rock music has become right because it it is hard to become mainstream if you're in a rock band it just is you know that, that that those are the facts and i think when you have strength in numbers when you have 
other bands supporting each other and kind of had that togetherness, it's a lot easy to, to swim upstream together than it is, you know, fighting each other or having beefs with each other or, you know, kind of having that tension in between bands. And I'm sure there are bands and individuals and bands that maybe aren't on the best terms. That's just the nature of the beast at times. But, you know, like here in the, in the, in the U S you kind of have that same type of atmosphere where, you know, young bands coming up know that, Hey, you know, this is, this is what we're working with in terms of building our fan base and building our audience. Let's all do this together and be more of a force together than just, than, than separate. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, yeah. I mean, share this with them fans. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the more band over the last couple of years, all all these all these UK bands, these UK, there's more UK rock bands appearing in in the in the UK charts, you know, in, in the main chart, you know, in amongst all the massive artists, which is amazing. Do, band called Those Damn Crows, you're likely heard of them. They, they got they they got a number three this uh, last week or the week before in the main in the main chart, you know, that's that's incredible. A top three album, that's that's absolutely insane, you know. We got a five and Scarlet Rebels, but they got a number seven and there's. Black Star Riders, number seven, you know, there's other bands in the top 10, top 20, and it's, you know, just keep plugging away and just keep at it, and, and you know, hopefully it'll become, you know, a bit more, it'll appear on more people's radars and become a bit more, a bit bigger and a bit more popular, you know, and save it from the brink of the dustbin or whatever. When I speak to an artist or a band that's gone to the UK and played in front of the audiences in UK and Europe, they they feel that the audiences in the UK are way more engaged than they are in the US. You know, they they have more of an ap- appetite for rock music than fans and especially younger people do in 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 the UK. Um when you see the fans out there when when you play shows, do you feel the engagement? Do you feel like there's more of a movement than 3 4 5 years ago? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do. Absolutely, yeah. We, we, we played um, since we played since we played um, Download. We played a, a festival called Download, uh, which is a big rock and metal festival over here. Um, it, during the pandemic, at the end of the pandemic, he put on a festival called um, what was it called? Oh, what was it called? The Pilot. He called the Download Pilot, and it was ten thousand people. It was only British. Fa- it was only British bands, obviously, because other bands couldn't come, couldn't come in, and it was like a tester festival to see if people could all get together in the same place and study the the out, study the spread of COVID or whatever. So they had this festival. And since we did, we played that, and since we played that, my God, the the, 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 the people that came to our shows after that, younger a younger generation, people coming to our shows, well, I saw you at the pilot, I saw you download, it was amazing, that, you know, you were great. And all these people coming to our shows, and um, it, was, it, was, it was so cool to see young, younger people uh, you know, switching on to sort of rock music uh, because of that, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think the atmosphere at British English shows is British shows is amazing. Yeah, I, I do, I love it. It's probably because they've had a shit week at work and they're sick to death of their lives, and <laughs> they have a few beers, and that's the end. That's it. They don't take much getting going. Well, that really is the lifeline for rock music is the younger audience. And I just had a conversation mm-hmm. with the band South of Eden, which is a band based out of Ohio here in in the states, and. Yeah. You know, building that audience, you know, f- uh, f- from young people or for young people, anytime you put rock music and you play it for a young person, they will connect with it because it always has. It always mm-hmm. has been a voice for younger people and it always helps people or helps younger people with their angst, with their their confusion, their anger, what's going on in their life. You know, being a teenager is a, is a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, the powers that be have made it so it's harder to find rock music. It's harder to build an audience with rock music, but whether it's my son and his friends, anytime you play a band or rock music, nine times out of 10, they're going to connect with it. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it puzzles me that when you do have a record label or you have people in the industry and the business side, the lack of vision they have right yeah now it's about how many streams you have how many followers you have basically it cuts out all the work that they have to do they want to they want to sign a band that is a known product at this point even though they're new and emerging they've done all the work so there's no there's no head of a record label 
stating, yeah, let's sign this band. I really like their sound. Let's let's give them a three album deal and let's grow them. Let's build them. That doesn't happen anymore, which is a shame because I think that's really when when you have the investment of the record label building you and you have the investment of the band, you'll have an audience that becomes invested too as well. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. It's become lazy. Absolutely lazy. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're, we're, we're lucky because we, we're, we're with a, a, a label called Earache, who are an, an, um, an independent label. Uh, they're a, but they're a really successful independent label, you know, and they 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 take they take chances on bands because they they have no choice, you know. But that, they have a, he has a vision, Digby and his team or whatever. They have a vision and they want to grow bands and they want to invest in bands and their necks are on the line. So we all have to work together or it doesn't work. Um, which which is great for us, which is what, how what rock works, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I agree. It's all become a little bit lazy to be to be honest. And plus, I mean, a lot a lot, a lot of the what kind of winds me up a bit, and I've got nothing against all the all the vintage acts like Ozzy and Zeppelin and all these bands, but the, you know the people. They, 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 there's more money to be there's more money to be made re-releasing these albums a thousand times than there is investing money in me and my band and 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 and, and growing and growing me and 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 I'll, I'll never make them. I could be going a hundred years and I'll never make as much money for those people as re-releasing the flipping Black Sabbath greatest hits for the 4,000th time this millennium. You know, they, they just, people just lap it up, don't they? They just lap up the same songs, the same Led Zeppelin reissues, remasters, repackaging. It's like, Jesus Christ. Even when these people are dead and gone, they're still making millions of pounds for people. I, they, they would rather take that money than invest it in bands like us, I think, you know, but whatever, whatever you know. My, my question is, why can't why can't they do both? <laughs> There's nothing well, stopping them, you know? Maybe I'm just bitter because it has happened to me. <laughs> well, no, but like, why, why can't they grow the younger bands to build them up to what the Sabbaths and the Zeppelins are? You know, why can't they do that? They, and back in the day, there was that vision of hearing something because it was good, signing a band because they were good, not because of the followers, not because of the streams, not because of all that. They 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 signed them because they loved their music. They believed in them. I mean, there are a few there are a few bands. I mean, Greta Van Fleet, there, you can't knock those guys. They're, they're, a, they're a, prime, a prime example of a band, a bunch of young guys that have been, I don't know their story or who's invested in them or, or who's backing them or what, but fair play, you know, them young lads are doing the business, living the dream, aren't they? Putting out good music and Kicking ass, playing rock music, playing what they want to play. Uh, Manus, Manuskin, they're another one. I don't know how you pronounce it. They're another another band that are doing really well after the Eurovision thing. Fair play. Yeah, yeah the Warning <laughs> is doing really well. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. By June, they're a great band. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, when you talk about Greta, it's almost like Greta forced the hand of the record labels because they <laughs> were independent and they became so huge. Mm. Again, a known product before they got signed. Right. To Lava Records, you I, know? Didn't, I didn't so, know that. Oh, yeah, that yeah. I mean, they were they their first EP they put out was independent and it blew up, as we know. And yeah. record labels were competing with each other to sign them. Right. And, and you know, then you go with the, the TikTok stars or, or the Instagram, you know, influencers who are playing a cover of a guitar lick, you know, on their TikTok. And as I've stated, there is talent in that, right? I mean, to do that to replicate something, there's you have to have some talent, but mm-hmm. These people are getting signed to record deals because of a Van Halen guitar lick they covered, and it got, you know, a million and a half likes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. They sign them, and they and they give them a record deal. Well, they're they're not going to write their own music. They're going to have twenty writers go in and write the songs for them. Yeah, and yeah. they're never going to perform live because they just won't. But they'll just keep putting out music because they've got the followers and the streams and all that stuff, and it's making the record label money. And, you know, when you talk about streaming services, we're going down a path here of, 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 of what I'm really passionate about. But when you talk about streaming services, when you think of what bands and artists do, they make the content, they give the streaming services the content, the streaming services don't pay them anything for the content, and they make billions of dollars. It's genius. Mm. Absolutely genius. There's <laughs> the mug, eh? <laughs> but it's just, it's it's really... Um, you know, like I said, you know, connecting with the young people, it's proven that it can still happen. You know, Greta Van Fleet got signed to a major record label because they, they, they connected with an audience. Yeah. yeah. Young people. So 
as we talk about these reissues and these greatest hits, you know, these record companies pouring money into that, they can do both. They can they can build up and make you know the the emerging rock scene something more than it is now, and they can also you know appease the classic rock fans with their seventh reissue of Led Zeppelin Four. I mean, God, God love. I mean, there are a lot of radio stations in this country over the last few years. Of, uh, I'll use I'll use Planet Planet Rock as an example, but there are a number. Um, they've really they've they've sort of it's, it's like they've I've been listening to Planet Rock for a long time and and, and reading Classic Rock magazine as well. That's another one. Um, they've really started to realise that these 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 big artists aren't, aren't going to be around much longer or forever. You know, there really has to be there really has to be somebody else following up, taking up the rear, if you like. You know. To, to carry on because your likes your Aussies and all these people are all going to be dead and gone before long, you know. Well, Aussies won't be playing any more shows anyway, will he? And Priest and all these bands, they, they've, only got, they've only got so long left. And once they've gone, unless unless there's somebody to fill the boots, then you're just going to be left, left with this massive void, aren't we? Yeah, and that's the truth because that's going to be here sooner than we think. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when, you look at, when you look at 10 years from now, those bands you mentioned won't be around. I don't see... Well, in ten years, Metallica touring. I don't see Iron Maiden touring. I don't see you know, and any of those bands. And there's going to be a vacuum of, you know, where's the rock scene now? Because those those tours make a lot of money. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and you're only going to make money is if you start building up the younger bands and supporting them and and sure. become you know, building an audience for them. You know, one of the things that absolutely just gets my gets me going is when I see a legacy act tour and then they put a package together with another legacy act and it's like why don't you bring out a young band a young up-and-coming band you know that used to be the norm back in the day you know you take a band that was coming up with their new album you put them on the road with another big band and then you build their audience through another band's audience i mean it's a it's a a time-tested formula yeah, that's how it always was. Yeah, the support band and the and the and the headline band. But yeah, that always always the case. I mean, yeah, you've been to a lot. I'm sure you've been to hundreds of shows yourself, and you you picked up bands you've never heard of. And go, fucking hell, they were great. Yeah, I've never never seen those guys before. That's brilliant. And that's like I said, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, lots of times I've, I've done that myself. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> a lot about now the ticket prices are so high that they got to they they have to package bands together in order to cover whatever costs that they put out with these tickets and also pay the bands. You know, when you look at, when you look at the Def Leppard Motley Crue stadium tour and you look at, I think each band was getting 3 million per show. You know, that, that was, that was, that was first of all, ridiculous, but the prices were so, were so high because of that. And, and, and the reason why they had three other bands on the, on the bill was because you had to keep, the the crowd in the stadium longer so they would spend more money on merch and booze and whatever so you'd make that money back that's what it was for you know i mean you know none of those bands def leppard motley crew can fill fifty thousand people on their own no (laughs) that's crazy yeah okay but yeah i mean that but that's what you know like when Judas priest came around with uriah heap God, like four or five years ago, I want to say, I was like, Uriah Heap is not going to sell more tickets for Judas Priest. They're just not. They're two different audiences. Mm. And and instead of taking out a young band, which Priest used to do all the time, they they didn't. And it was disappointing to see. But, you know, I, I but one positive about it is I think there's going to have to be something that comes with with rock music. And I think there is going to be a platform for some of these bands that are emerging like yourselves and other bands that are going to start seeing a more of a push over the next few years to see, to, to help them build their audience up to a, a level where they can put them on tour with bands and, and do that. Because like you said, there's, there's a lot of money that's spent on rock music and mm. most of that money is spent on classic rock and classics rock not, is not going to be here to, to, to absorb no. that money. No, definitely not. Definitely not. It's a strange situation. It's a strange situation, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. Yeah. There seems to be, there doesn't seem to be, we find there doesn't seem to be many people from other countries taking notice of bands from other countries either. 
everybody focuses on their own their own sort of home bands, which is which is great. But you know, if you if you want a band to truly grow, you know, we have to sort of people have to take put put a bit of faith in you from other countries, you know. And we struggle to get struggle to get noticed in Europe. We you know we've been over been over a few times, but I don't know. I know you have to start at the bottom again, but it's. Um, there doesn't seem to be many people willing to sort of take much of a chance on you, really, to be honest. But, but I don't know, just keep slogging away, you know, slogging away at it and oh, one day you get a bit of a break or something good happens. Or... Well, the music that you guys put out is fantastic. The last three albums are, in my opinion, as good or as better than anything that's been released over the last five years. Oh, um, thank you very much. Old Nelson, House of Noise, and <laughs> Triggered. Um, are all just fantastic records and go out and buy them, go out and stream them wherever you, wherever you stream. Streaming is important, even though I knock it all the time. It does help bands because the better numbers that they have, the better tours they get on. And so it yeah. does help, but always buy the physical copy too, as well. Always, you know, go support the bands because that money goes directly to the band right away. Whereas the streaming stuff, is more of kind of like a big picture, the long game for a band. So you can do both. Um, yeah. And uh, it's very important for the health of rock music and for the young bands that are out there to have that happen. Buy their merch, go to their website. Um, I think it's about massivewagons.com. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, we sell everything on there. It's like some sort of flipping Sunday market stall. Our manager's mad for it. She sells all sorts. <laughs> well, you know, you've got to. It's, it's all good. It's good for fun, you know. I, I do think, you know, as we wrap up here real quick, I, I do think that things are starting to break a little bit. And I don't know why um, certain bands, but I mean, I, you saw Thunder Mother band from Sweden tour with Scorpions in the U.S., which was a big deal. And then you Dang saw the, Mister, the Mysterines tour as well. Um, you know, they're from the U.K. Um, the Mysterines. Yeah, they're more of like, a, a, like an al- alternative punk band. I'll check them out. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So they toured with Bad Flower, right? Uh, and um, so, so you, you did see a little bit of that, which I thought was exciting. So hopefully that grows and that continues. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Thunder Mother thing—that was, yeah, that was um, quite a revelation. Fair play, you know, the, that getting on that Scorpion tour was is incredible. Really, yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a big statement, isn't it? That's that's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, more bands, more bands are willing to take. A chance. And you know, credit to the Scorpions. You know, the Scorpions didn't care how many streams they had in America or how much how, how successful they were in America. They brought them on tour because they liked them. A, a novel concept. They liked the band. <laughs> they put them out on, on tour. Like, wow. That Madness. It is crazy. Who does such a thing, eh? Imagine liking something and going, yeah, we should tour with them. Exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> well, well, Baz, it's been a blast. Um, oh, always appreciate you coming by and thanks for making time for me and the, and the podcast and, and, uh, no great to see you again. Good. Nice one. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. Everyone that is Baz from Massive Wagons. Like I said, go stream their albums on any streaming platform. The last three albums you will enjoy triggered house of noise and full Nelson. Visit the website, massivewagons.com, buy some merch, support them. If you're in the UK, they've got tour dates up on the site for this year. Um, the first batch of them at least. So that's exciting. And, uh, yeah, this is another episode of the hook rocks. Thanks for tuning in. Take care of each other. Stay safe, stay healthy. We will talk again soon. Thank you.
going out for a drink Got a cab after 12 It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 